0: What's up, Central? Hope you're all doing great. want to welcome everybody who is watching online. Thank you so much for taking time to connect with us today. We want to give a big shout out, a big hello to our Creston campus. We're excited to have you guys with us. I also want to say hello to all the guys and girls at St. Greg's. Um, it's exciting to be able to share the message every Sunday with you guys, and we're expecting God to do great things in your lives as we pray for you, um, and we, we just want to let you know that in Jesus, the best is yet to come. Hey, if you have a Bible, Matthew chapter 16, that's where we're going today. Today is National Back to Church Sunday. Um, this year, they have a theme of being stronger together. And, and they say this, they say, drawing from Ecclesiastes 4.12, they say, the one may be overpowered, this is the Bible verse in Ecclesiastes 4, the one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, a cord of three stand, strands is not quickly broken. And, and so they say this, they say, National, National Back to Church Sunday 2020 reminds us that together, as individuals, families, and friends, no matter your economic situation, the ge- geography of your home, or the color of your skin, make God's church stronger. That together, as individuals, family, and friend, that, that together we make God's church stronger. Together we can thrive in uncertainty, stay hopeful in a world of doubt, and flourish as one. And you know, really? that's what church should be. Church should be a place where we thrive because of Jesus. I want to be a part of a church that thrives, don't you? Like, I want to be a part of a church where Jesus is at the center, and because of Jesus, we're stronger together and we thrive together. Now, I get it. If you came here because somebody said back to church Sunday and you got free coffee for coming in or whatever, and and you're kind of skeptical about church, I want you to know, years ago um, I visited a church and I was skeptical too but now I work in one so so be careful all the skeptics that are out there watching in a few years you might be a pastor because Jesus has a really 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 funny sense of humor all right so I'm glad you're watching um, I figured I'd start out today uh, by talking about some things that maybe 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 not but but most likely um, that that we all love right Let, let's start this sort of on getting on some some common ground, if you will? Like, what are some things that we really, really, really love? Like, for instance, I think all of us, or at least most all of us, love dogs, right? Dogs, little puppies. How many of you have a dog? I'm not going to ask you, do you love your dog? Because I know you love your dog. Most of you, you really, really, really love your dog. Most of you, like, some of you more than your kids. You know what I'm saying? Do- dogs are cool. I'm not making fun of dog people. I'm a dog person. Um I have 3. Um this is this is a picture of my three dogs. This is what they're normally doing 90% of the time. Just playing tug, just wrestling, just going absolutely crazy. Um next one, next picture, next thing that we love. Yeah, I just I just love that. I don't even know where that is. Not just some beach somewhere, right? You know what I'm saying? I don't even know the song, but I know there's a song like that. And and, and it's, but right, I, all of us, none of us would argue, I don't want to be there. I hate that place. All of us would love to be there right now. Something else I love, in fact, I'm about to make your lunch decisions for you, is this steak, right? How many of you would love that right now? Now, just get that in front of me, put that in my belly, Pastor Ryan. Like, like, look look at that. Cooked to perfection, medium rare, the way God intended it to be. Nothing better than a medium rare arrow steak. There's nothing better than that. How about this one? This time of year, football, right? Doesn't matter. High school, college, NFL. You can have your opinions on all of them and professional athletes and all that, but we love football, right? Love watching it. Finally, uh, there's some people he- here, some people watching, I'll say that you probably love, <laughs> yeah, that's all I got to say about that, A. <laughs> now, there are lots of things that we could put up here that we say we love, but for me, I just want you to know, I really do love my church. I really do. I love my church. Now, when I say I love my church, I'm not just saying that. I really, 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 really do mean it. Now, If you're brand new to Central or you're just kind of not really familiar with our story, I know what you're thinking. Because if I were you, I'd be thinking the same thing. You're thinking, of course you love your church, Ryan. I mean, seriously, you've got a big church. You've got a great band. You've got lights. You've got cool cameras. You're adding more staff. You've got these resources to do all the things you want to do. You have a killer youth center. Of course you love your church. Look at all that you've got. Well, here's what I want you to understand. And I seriously need you to hear my heart on this. I love this church because from day one of me coming here, there have been people who have wanted to create an environment where people far from God can meet Jesus and then follow Jesus step by step and allow Jesus to change them. And over the years, listen to me, over the years, we have worked hard, blood, sweat, and tears hard to follow God's will and God's plan in order to create that environment. And listen, 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 listen. If this all fell apart tonight, I would still be here in the morning working and praying and bleeding and sweating because at the end of the day, I love this church. I love this church. And I don't love this church because of how big it is. I love this church because of how great God is and because of what Jesus is doing in and through this place and how Jesus is changing lives in this place. Man, the stories of life change, I was singing the other day, we should do a series called Life Change, and just let the testimony of people at Central, we should just use those to just preach, because that would be awesome, right? That, that would be incredible. Seriously, many of you have told me your stories, and I love how Jesus is using the church to change lives. Now, me, listen, like I said, I, I, haven't, I haven't always loved church. I remember being dragged. Church as a kid, I always make this joke. I had a drug problem. I was drugged to church, right? And some of you were like that. Some of you were dragged to church. I didn't like it. I remember the guy up front. I remember being one time. He's up there and he's like, "This is just like heaven," and I was like, "Send me to hell then." Like for re- like, I don't even want to be here. Like this is this is awful. Like that dude hasn't smiled in like twenty years, man. He doesn't have a wife. I mean, this is this is terrible. You know what I'm saying? And so. As I've been watching the church, the state of the church lately, and especially during this pandemic, and, and honestly, like what people's response to church and church culture is, it seems like for many of us that church is something that's just simply tolerated, right? It's not, it's not loved, it's just tolerated, or it's been tolerated for far too long, and, and I think for most of us, that's just how we grew up. Because I would assume that not, that, not, that not many of you went to church when you were younger, that you went to church because you loved it, right? V- very few of you probably did. Like, none of your mom and dads busted into your room and said, whoa, let's go to church because it's awesome. No, 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 no. They probably cussed all the way to church. Se- seriously. Like, some of you probably, that's where you learned how to cuss, on your way to church because your dad, oh, son of a monkey, Right? And and then you get to church, and mom and dad had cussed at each other the entire way to church, and when you get out of the van, you couldn't pretend like there was a problem because church is a place where you pretend to be perfect because if you're not perfect and your halo isn't on just right, they would kick you out. And so it had to be something that we tolerated. And I I think we're seeing that during this pandemic, that for many it has been something that is just tolerated. I want you to know, the more and more that I read the Bible, I I see that church isn't something that's supposed to be just tolerated. Church is is supposed to be something that is celebrated and it should be the most exciting day of our week every single week and it should be an event not just on Sundays but it should be a movement that people participate in Monday through Saturday as well and I love the local church because of the power and the potential that the local church has now, I, I know it's weird. I know it's weird, especially where we live, to say, I love my church. I know it's weird. In fact, if you tell you people you love your church too much, they'll, they'll tell you you're part of a cult. <laughs> have you heard that one before? <laughs> I have. I've been called the lead, like, seriously. But listen, you could call me whatever you want to call me, cult leader, cult participant, whatever. You could call the church whatever you want to call it, but I'm going to tell you, This church is having an impact on our community because, listen, Jesus didn't call us to play games. We understand this. Jesus didn't call us to play games. He called us to make a difference and to be difference makers, and that's why I love this church. Let me ask you this question. Why is it weird to love a church? Like, why is that weird? It's not weird to love a dog, right? It's not weird to say, I love my dog. All they do is poop and pee and eat your food and then die, make you sad my older dog right now my oldest dog he's on end of life medication nightly it's just like is he gonna make it through the night like it's it's crazy right i mean love that dude but it's just like he's a it's a dog we have no problem saying we love our dog why do you love steak why do you love it all it does is clog our arteries and get us to jesus faster that's probably why we love it right why do you love tropical vacations why do we love them Some of us are still paying off the ones from seven years ago, right? Why do we love guys on a football field when we don't even know most of their names? Why do we love them? For for some reason, for some reason, that's okay. But it's not okay to say that you love the church? See, I think it's okay to say, I love the church. I think it's okay for all of us to love the church. In fact, I think if we're followers of Jesus, we should love what Jesus loved. And Jesus loved the church, and so I love my church. Here's another reason why I love my church. It's because of a story that takes place in the Gospel of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 16, there's a story of when Jesus really sets up this thing called the church. Matthew 16 verse 13 says this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Great question. It is absolutely fascinating how loaded this verse is. Now, I'm going to set this up and explain it. Um, To my knowledge, this is the only time that the Bible mentions that Jesus went to this place. And when the original readers of this text saw that Jesus went to Caesarea Philippi, they gasped. (gasps) Like, they freaked out. Because listen, don't miss this. Good Orthodox Jewish religious people did not go there. They just didn't. Caesarea Philippi is in the northernmost area of Israel. In fact, it's right by the Syrian border. Um, It's incredibly far. From Jerusalem, like Jerusalem was where the religious people went. Re- Jerusalem is like city of God, right? That's that's where the religious people hang out. Caesarea Philippi, well, that's where the messy people were. Listen, when I say messy people, I know we talk about messy people around here all the time. That we want to be a church for messy people, but Caesarea Philippi, like that's the worst of the worst, like worse than imaginable, like. Think about spring break plus Mardi Gras plus Vegas nightlife. Now combine them all together times a gazillion. And and you're getting close to what Caesarea Philippi was like. It was full of messy people doing really, 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 really bad, nasty things. Now here's the other thing about Caesarea Philippi that's real interesting. It took Jesus about a week to get there. From where Jesus was previously in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, it took him about a week to get here. It's a, it's a difficult journey. It's like uphill. It, it literally took him seven days to get from where he was to get to Caesarea Philippi. And so anytime Jesus goes to a geographical location, we always need to pay attention to that. When the Bible mentions it, we need to, we need to pay attention to that location. Because oftentimes he's making a point simply by where he's at geographically. And so the fact, don't miss this, the fact that Jesus went to Caesarea Philippi where the messy people were is huge. The idea of Jesus leaving his comfort zone and and being around the religious people and the people who would want to, you would assume, want to hear the rabbi teach and and going to a place where people are nothing like him, like that's huge. Because listen, don't don't miss this, the nickname of Caesarea Philippi, the nickname of, of that city it's pretty much the gates of hell. Like, that's pretty much how it translates out. The gates of hell. How, how, would, that, how would that make you feel driving into a city? Welcome to Carroll. Gates of hell. Woo! Super excited to be in this place. Lock the doors. You, you know what I'm saying? That's not a good nickname for a city. But Caesarea Philippi was so full of messy people that it was known as the gateway to hell. And, and I love the fact that Jesus went there. That, that he left, don't miss the symbolism here, that, that, he, met, that, he, that he left the, the city of God to go to the city, the gates of hell. Man, that, that's just huge. The translation for us today and where we find comfort is that Jesus is not afraid of messy people. And he doesn't run away from messy people. He goes to messy people no matter where they are, no matter what they've done, no matter what's been done to them, no matter what. He goes to them. I think that's something to that the church, that I think that's something that we need to wrap our mind around. Because for far too long in the church world, in the church world, we've told people, when you become like us, you can be a part of us. But Jesus actually said, no, 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 no. I'm going to come to you so that you can get to know God. Jesus wasn't afraid of the messy people. And as the church, again, I'm a broken record on this, but we can't be afraid of messy people either. We have to embrace them. In fact, some of you, you understand this. Some of you started coming to Central because you found out it's okay to not be okay. It's not okay to stay that way, but it's okay to not be okay. Man, I know we got messy people. Oh my gosh, please. I know we, I, I meet people in the community sometimes that say, I can't come to your church. Why? Because, man, there's some people in your church, and I know some things about some people in your church that you don't know, and I'm just telling you, you've got some mess, you've got some jacked up people in your church. That shouldn't be a deterrent. It should make you feel welcome, because right now, You're judging those people, but there will be a day, I guarantee it, there will be a day that you need the grace of those people because it's going to get discovered one day how messed up your life really is. Because listen, 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 people who put on a pretense of perfection oftentimes get called out by God because they're trying to hide something in their own life. And when that happens, they're going to need grace. You know what I'm saying? I know Good Lord, I know we have messy people because I get confessions in public when I'm not even looking for them. Like I can walk into a restaurant. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? Pastor Ryan! Hey, Pastor Ryan! How are you? Oh, I'm doing good. How you doing? Oh, Pastor Ryan, I'm not good. I've been smoking meth and looking at people on the internet and looking at the naked pictures. And i my life is falling apart. <laughs> All right, Frank, can I like, get you like some water or the waitress or something? You know what I mean? I know, I know we have messy people, but you know what? It makes me feel good to have those conversations. I feel good walking out of conversations like that, walking out of restaurants like that, thinking, you know what? That person was comfortable enough to call me their pastor for the rest of my life. For the rest of my life, I want to pastor messy people. For the rest of my life, I want to pastor people that say, you know what? I'm not where I need to be. I'm struggling, but I'm trying, and I'm trying, and I'm trying to take a step forward. I'm trying to take my next step in my walk with Jesus. That's what I want. That's who I want to pastor. And I praise God that we've been working because of the grace of God and because we've been following the will of God to create an environment for people like that, for messy people, because Jesus went to the messy people. Jesus loved the messy people. Jesus died for messy people. And then when he went there, he said, back to verse three, Jesus said, who do people say the Son of Man is? In in other words, he's like, hey, let's get the conversation started about me, right? And and, and this is a, a, a quick note to all the Christians watching. Jesus got the conversation started about himself In a place where messy people were. Translation for you and for me, when we go back to our workplaces tomorrow or when you step back into your job or when you step back into school and you think, I can't talk about Jesus because there are too many messy people around. That's actually the place to begin the conversation because Jesus began the conversation about himself. Don't miss this. Jesus began the conversation about himself in an environment full of messy people and we should feel the freedom to do the exact same thing. Hey, hey! Here, here's what I know about messy people. If Jesus didn't love messy people, he would not have loved me. He wouldn't, because I'm a mess. If you're a Christian, that's true about you. I don't care if you were born in the church, on the altar, reciting the Apostles' Creed, took communion, or were baptized within the first five seconds of your life. You were born a sinner, separated from God, and you needed the grace of God. You were a mess. You weren't awesome, but Jesus was awesome. Jesus was awesome, and he called you, and he cleaned up your mess, and that's why you're in the kingdom today. Jesus loves messy people. The reason so many church people don't love messy people is because there's a lot of church people that don't truly understand how messy they are or they forget how messy they were. But when you see people, when you see, don't, don't miss this. We have to get this, church. When, when, we see, when we see messy people not as who they are but as that's who I was, or that's, that's what I would be other than the grace of God. When, when we see like that, it allows us to show them a lot more grace than the church has shown them for a long period of time, right? A- anyway, let's keep going. Verse 14, they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? That's the most important question that's ever been asked in the history of the world, who do you say that I am? Everybody is gonna to have to answer that question. Every one of us. Some of you are like, I'm not gonna answer that question. Yes, you will. You will. One day, every single one of us will answer that question. Who is Jesus? Like, like there's a final exam, like this is the final exam, this is like the only question on the final exam. And you gotta get this right. Who do you say that I am? Who is Jesus? Verse 15. But what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? Now watch this. Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now here's what's cool about this. I don't have the time to unpack this and, and theologically break this out and all the stuff in it. But here, here's what you need to know. What Peter essentially said right here is, Jesus, I believe you're the hope of the world. Like that, That's what he said right here. He's, he's like, hey, you know who you are, Jesus? Jesus, you are are the hope of the world, and Jesus went, ding, 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 winner, winner, chicken dinner, that's my translation of it, but that's, that's what happened, Jesus replied, look at this, you are blessed, Simon, son of Jonah, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you, you did not learn this from any human being, and then he said this, verse 18, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, on this rock, that, that means the statement that you just made, The statement that you just made that Jesus is the hope of the world. Jesus said on the phrase that you just said that I'm the hope of the world on this rock, I will build my church. I will build my my church. I want to stop and I want to say it's really popular in our culture today for people to say, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus, but I don't need the church. (laughs) And listen to me. If you're watching this and you're on a path in which you can say you're walking with Jesus but you don't need church, I would argue, listen to me. Jesus would never lead you away from something that he gave his life for. Never. Nobody gets an out clause. Because the church, listen, the church has been around for 2,000 years. It's going to be around for 2,000 more if the world makes it. God, God help us, right? But the church The church, the hope of the world. Jesus will not lead you away for something he gave his life for. As a matter of fact, if you want to get to the end of the story, Jesus is coming back, and you know what he's coming back for? The church. The church. And so if I were you, I'd quit saying that I love Jesus, but I don't love his church. Anyway, he said, I will build my church. In other words, the church is his. I will build my church. And all the powers of hell, and and I believe when he said that, I believe when he said that, he pointed at Caesarea Philippi. I believe he said, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Jesus said, hey, Pete, based on that statement, Based on your statement, Peter, that that I'm the hope of the world, we're going to start a movement called the church. Now, none of you know what that means right now, but it's going to be powerful, and it's going to impact messy people. The people over there that have no hope, the people over there who have have given their lives to whatever the world has told them will keep them happy and keeps failing and keep making them empty promises and keeps leaving them bankrupt, like this movement is going to be so powerful, it's going to sweep over them. There's going to be a wave of grace that hits places like that, and they're no longer going to be outcasts, but they're going to be included because I am the hope of the world. I believe that Jesus promised that that was going to happen. Now, now listen, when it comes to promises, I think we can all agree on this next point. A promise is only as good as the person making the promise. Would you agree? A, a promise is only as good as the person making the promise. Because I would argue that all of us have had promises made to us and all of us have had promises broken, right? All of us have had people make promises to us and break them. And so just a real quick survey. I want everybody to play along. This will be fun. Uh, How many of you, maybe watching online, um, how many of you have student loan payments? Like you're paying off student loans. Just type me or a little hand wave emoji or something. How many of you have a car payment? How many have car payment? same thing. Me raising my hand, put a little car emoji there or something. How many of you have house payment? <laughs> like most all of us, right? House payment or rent, something something like that. Now let me ask you a question. What if somebody called you today and said, I, I would like to pay off your student loans? How many of you would take that call? Like how many of you would just at least entertain listening to that call? How about somebody called and said, I want to pay off your car? How many of you would like that? <laughs> how many of you if they called and said I'd like to pay off your car? How many of you would like car? How about cars? How about you pay off my fleet of cars? Right? That that'd be that'd be my house. How many of you would like for somebody to pay off your house? How, how many would just love for somebody to pay off your house? All right? All of us. All of us would love for somebody to just come in and just pay off that all, right? And so let's think about this. Think about you get that phone call from somebody telling you they're gonna pay off your student loans, they're gonna pay off your house, they're gonna pay off your car, they're gonna pay off your credit card, and, and, and you're interested, right? You're listening, but you don't get excited unless the person on the other end has the potential to do what they're promising to do, right? I mean, think about this for a second. Think about your most broke, weird, crazy relative in your family. Think about that person real quick. Everybody got them in mind? Everybody got a person right here? Broke, crazy, just weird. Some of you are like, I can't think of anybody. You're it. <laughs> Everybody in your family is thinking of you, all right? That, but, but it's okay. It's all right. Jesus loves messy people. <laughs> all right, so so that person, that person calls you and says, hey, I want to pay off your car, I'm going to pay off them student loans. I'm going to pay off your house. Like, you wouldn't get excited. You wouldn't be like, "Whoa! yes, awesome. You'd be like, honey, Frank needs to go to rehab again. He has done found his crack pipe again. We need to get him some help, right? Right, that, that's what you would do. But if this man right here called you, you, you know who this man is? This man, You know who he is? This is Jeff Bezos. This is the founder of Amazon. Like the place that sends you everything that you order in the mail? That's who that is. Let me tell you a little bit about Jeff. Jeff Bezos has a net worth of $184.9 billion. I was going to use Bill Gates as an illustration in this thing. All right, right here, because that's who, growing up, if you're my age, like Bill Gates is the richest person like that you know. And so, like, I typed in Bill Gates net worth, and it said Bill Gates is the number two richest person around next to this guy. This guy actually has about $80 billion more net worth than even Bill Gates, right? $184.9 billion. That makes him, like, the 60th wealthiest country in the world. I'm not making that up. Like this dude is wealthier than countries in the world, okay? So, 184.9 billion dollars. Let's say at a at a basic six percent interest rate, that Jeffy he makes with he probably doesn't like me call he wouldn't like me calling him Jeffy, but I'm sure he's not watching this. Um, without ever doing anything, he makes over 200 dollars per second, per second. Listen, it would cost him money to bend over and pick up a $100 bill off the ground. He, dude just lost money doing that. he just leave it there for me, right? Jeff, Jeff Bezos, if he made no more money, if he didn't make another dime, he's like 56 years old right now, if he didn't make another dime, let's say we give him till, till 90, if he's just living off of interest, it, it, let's say we, we give him till 90 years old, right? He would have to spend over $5 million a day. To exhaust his wealth. Five million dollars a day. Now I know what some of you are thinking, spending all that money ain't gonna make you happy. I'd love to give it a shot. I'd love to try it. I would try my very best, right? So let's say that somebody, let's say somebody like Jeff, or somehow Jeff himself. Let's say Jeff got your number and he called and he's like, hey, I'd like to pay off your student loans. I'd like to pay off your car. I'd like to pay off all of your cars. And I'd like to pay off your house. I'd like to pay off your dog because I know you finance your dog, too, because I know you love your dog, and I love dogs, too. I'm a dog person. And so I just want to pay off everything. If it's, if it's Jeff Bezos and not your broke, busted relative, there tends to be a little bit more excited, excitement, right? You, you know why? Because there's power behind the promise that Jeff makes. There's power behind the promise because Jeff actually has the coin to come through for you, right? Well, think about this for a second. Jesus promises that he's going to build his church. Jesus made a bunch of promises. Jesus made promises like he said, I'm always going to be with you. Jesus made promises like in the middle of the storm, I'm going to give you peace Jesus said, no matter what you do, I promise, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, I will always be with you, I will love you always and forever, no matter what. Jesus made some insane promises. Seriously, if you're just looking at them at at face value, like they're insane promises. If you're just looking at them at face value, you're looking at him, you're going, "Uh uh-uh. You can't, you you can't back that. Like there's nobody in the history of the world, dude, who has made promises like that. In fact, five times from this point forward in the Gospels, he gets his disciples together and he says, I'm going to make you a promise, guys. We're going to go to Jerusalem. They're going to arrest me. They're going to mock me. They're going to beat me, and they're going to crucify me. They are literally going to murder me. But it's cool because three days later, I'm going to come back. He, He made them that promise. He made them that promise five times. And you know what? None of them believed the promise. None of them. And let's not be too hard on the disciples. You wouldn't have believed them either. None of us would. We're always so hard on the disciples. Well, I can't believe that they lacked faith. Well, Matthew hadn't read the book of Matthew, right? Because none of us, none of us have ever seen a person die. We've we've probably seen people die. But we've never never seen that and went, oh, I I think they'll be all right. Just give them about three days. In three days, they'll be right as rain. They're going to be okay. Bless their heart. None of us have ever done that. Because when somebody is dead, it's usually over, right? Like, like if, if you've ever seen somebody die, you've never, a, a year later, been like, you know what, I ain't seen so-and-so for a while. Because people around you be like, well, what's wrong with you? Right? When somebody dies, it's over. But Jesus said with me, it ain't going to be over. Jesus said, see, I'm going to go in the grave. I'm going to be there for three days, but then I'm going to come back. He told them that five times. He made that promise five times. And listen to me. I've said this before. I don't follow Jesus just because of what he said. I follow Jesus because of what he did. Because of Jesus and because of what he did, I know that what he said actually carries weight. He has more grace than Jeff Bezos has money, and he has more power than Jeff Bezos has money. And he's able to fulfill the promises that he makes. In fact, let me just show you this. In Matthew chapter 28, um, the, the, a couple of ladies, they, they get up early in the morning and they go to the tomb and the stone is rolled away and the guards are, free, you know this, the Easter story, the guards are freaked out. And The Bible says this in, in verse five. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead just as he said would happen. In other words, just as he promised. Just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was laying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. By the way, just like he promised, right? He has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. Jesus Christ is able to fulfill every single promise that he made. Not because he was a great teacher, but because he was dead and he came back to life. In fact, the main point I want you to walk away with today, kind of the sermon and the sentence for you today, is... The resurrection is the reason that we can believe his promises. The resurrection is the, is the reason that we can believe his promises. The resurrection is the reason I believe his promises. Every promise that Jesus made, I believe they're true. And and I don't believe they're true just because he was a great teacher who did some great things. I believe they're true because he was a dead man who came back to life. And anybody who used to be dead and comes back to life, I'm going to believe what they say. And I'm going to follow them because I know I now have that potential in my life. Like You know what? If If you're watching today and you're a messy person, Jesus can clean up your mess just like that. If you're watching and you feel like there's an area of your life where you have no life, like, if Jesus can come back, this is so huge. If Jesus can come from death to life, then any area in your life that feels dead, he can bring it back to life. I love the fact that the resurrection took place. See, see all of this. It all goes back to the promises that Jesus made. I'm going to build a community. I'm going to build a community of people, and they're going to move forward based on the fact that I'm the hope of the world. I'm going to build a church. I'm going to build my church. I want to say this. Central Church, I want you to understand that Jesus Christ really is the hope of the world. He really is the hope of the world. The hope of the world is not a political solution. It's not an economic solution. It's not a government solution. It's a gospel solution. The gospel really does heal hurting people. The gospel really does break the chains of addiction. The gospel really does hold marriages together that were falling apart. The gospel really does include the excluded. The gospel really does set people free. The gospel really does give hope. And the gospel still brings about change in the lives of people. In Jesus, the best is always yet to come. And that's why I love church so much. Not because of the potential we have, but because of the promises that Jesus made that he would build his church. And and, and as I look around our church, I realize he's doing it. He's doing it, and he's letting us be a part of it. Isn't that awesome? How great, how great, how great is our God that he would conquer death. How great is our God that he would save us? How great is our God that he would change us? How great is our God that he would love us? How great is our God that he said he would never leave us and never forsake us? How great, church, how great is our God? That's why I love my church, because we're always going to be about the greatness of God. I don't believe our church is great because central is great. I believe our church is great because God is great and he has called us. He has called us to do great things. But here's what I believe about you. I don't believe that God just wants to build a great church. I believe he wants to build some great people. But but here's what gets me on that. I believe there are some people watching today that you feel like you're not so great. Maybe you feel messy. Maybe you feel messy, and this whole week you've been like, I'm, I'm not sure that, I'm not even sure that God knows that I exist. I'm not, I'm not sure that God even cares about me. I would say, isn't it funny? Isn't it interesting? <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it crazy that during a week that you battled those thoughts that you're watching this today, hearing a service where somebody stands up and says, Jesus loves messy people. He will clean up your mess. You might call that coincidence. I call that providence. And I believe that Jesus. Wants to build great people. Maybe you're watching, maybe you are a Christian today, but you feel like you can't proclaim the greatness of God because your, your life, maybe it's falling apart a little bit. Today's the day that maybe you need to not just come back to church, but maybe today is the day you need to come back to Jesus. Let's pray.